I'm so happy to see you, Shannon. We've been talking about doing this podcast, Hazy Not Crazy, for a while. Forever. And then huh. COVID, COVID hit. It's still very much here. Um, but as you heard in the intro, Shannon and I have over 67 years of seizure mayhem experience. And how long have we known each other? It's been, what, 11, 12 years? I think so. 11 or 12 years, for sure. Yeah, so we've been able to develop an awesome, unique relationship. We first connected at the Epilepsy Foundation. Um, I'll never forget when you walked in and you just said, I want to help. And help you did. Um, and that relationship grew. We got to collaborate on things. And one of my favorite things that I'm excited to rope in our first guest, Saber, is going to be the big brain exhibit in that California tour we did. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I know we have a shared passion for advocacy in our community, and I'm going to go ahead and introduce Shannon here. She's California bred. She's a wife, a parent of three children, and has an extensive background in social work, and she's one of the fiercest advocates for epilepsy you will ever meet. Um, she's currently the director of the Huntley Foundation um, that runs our California outreach, and she does um, support groups. Um which I'd love to talk about and maybe rope in some people from the support groups here if they'd love to be 100%. interviewed. Yep. And I know you're purely just driven by that desire to help. And I'm so excited to explore this podcast and talk to other people across the country. And as for me, my name's Nate. I'm Kentucky bred and I'm a musician, filmmaker, writer, and lover of comedy. Um, I spent a decade at the Epilepsy Foundation um, I was really honored to help develop the three S's of seizure first aid, and we raised thousands of dollars for our walk to end epilepsy, which is now a national movement, which is pretty cool. And I would yeah. produce 30 plus videos to and create act, help create relevant and accurate information um, to raise awareness for people with epilepsy. It's and I can't wait to talk more about that. Um, but I'm really also driven driven by the millions of kids that we know, Shannon, that don't have a voice and are, you know, just constantly under the barrage of, of seizures. So, um, I can't wait yeah, to, uh, and, uh, uh huh. And, and constantly, and you know, I just want to say that Nathan said 67, um, you know, combined years of epilepsy experience. And I just want to note for the listeners that's personal experience that we each have epilepsy. And I think there's something to be said. Um, when you personally have epilepsy, you are better able to understand um, when somebody's talking about epilepsy. So when we say personally, we have been kids and teenagers and college students and 20-somethings. And, yeah. you know, we've experienced all these, you know, married people, people with jobs. Uh, my youngest daughter's adopted. You know, I've, I've, I've been a mom. I've given birth. I've adopted. You know, so together we've, you know, we've really run the gamut for what people with epilepsy do and are able to do and what they cannot do. And I think um, I'm excited to share that with everyone. And uh, I, I think it's going to be fun. Nathan's really funny. So I'm excited. I think <laughs> it's going to be good. So, but I think uh, the personal experience is awesome. Yeah. Which kind of, it's not awesome, but it's awesome. No, it's, but that. it's so relevant for something like this. Um, and I think that speaks, uh, to my next point was I wanted to share with our listeners what, you know, this is kind of all about, and you hit the nail on the head there, you know, as of yet, you know, there's certainly no sponsors. We're just starting this. There's no underlining agenda, no pharma companies, no political push. It's going to be, it, this is a podcast, uh, by people with epilepsy for people with epilepsy, uh, and to make you laugh, smile and cry, which, you know, from our early twenties we've been doing. And I think hopefully grow from that. Sure. So, yeah. Um, I mean, hence the name Hazy Not Crazy, right? That, uh, <laughs> that in and of itself, I, we, we, we did a lot of research. We asked a lot of people with, with epilepsy, without epilepsy, uh, about the title of this podcast, and everybody liked Hazy Not Crazy. 
you know? I mean, and it is kind of funny because if you are personally connected to epilepsy, you, you get it. You understand that. Yeah. And uh, on, a, on a level that maybe other people don't. And so we're here to help everybody understand that we are a little, we're hazy. We're not crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I really relate to that. And, and maybe the second episode, we'll share some of the runner-ups titles that oh, we yeah, were talking about. Idea. Yeah. I love it. That would be it. fun. Um, I'm going to go ahead and text our first guest, Saber. Um, I'll go, we'll go ahead and get him in the green room. Um, but I think, and I'm really excited to talk to, his name's Ryan to Ryan. And one of the things that I think is going to separate this, you know, podcast, you know, from the pack is that I really look forward to sharing stories that have never publicly uh, been spoken with the people we'll talk about. Um, my experience, you know, working for so long in the, the advocacy world is, you know, time and place. And I look forward to just having this great vibe about the podcast where people can open up and share some of these you know, stories. So speaking of which we're going to go ahead and, uh, we're going to bring in Saber. All right. I'm excited. Yeah. There he is. What's up, brother? (laughs) Hello. There you are. You got the, you got the nice scruff going on. Look at that. Yeah. It's, it's going to come off. It comes off. It oh, you get comes you... off too. <laughs> look at. Oh, uh, you look. You... Yeah, you're getting those, man. <laughs> hey, welcome to the family, brother. <laughs> Shannon, you don't have that problem yet. Shannon's got the beautiful Not long yet, locks. We'll get yep. there. We're getting there soon. Um, Ryan, thank What's you for that? joining. That's why it's so long, Nathan. That's why it's so long. I'm like holding on to every last moment of having. <laughs> But I'm, I feel like I'm almost getting to the age where I probably should, you know, start to think about not having hair longer than my 15-year-old daughter. Yeah. <laughs> now nah, you both look great. Um, Ryan, thanks for coming on. Uh, I wanted to give listeners, I think a lot of people obviously within the epilepsy community really are aware of the work you've done in the past, right? Um, but I, and I don't know how familiar they might have been with, like, how you rose to prominence. So I got this little thing I'd like to just kind of read from mural form that um, this is back from 1997. And this is, this is such a crazy story. You've been doing big things for so long, huge things. And this, this proves it right here. So Sabre first rose to prominence in 97 with his massive mural on the banks of the LA river began getting international attention. The mural measured 55 feet high and over 250 feet in length and reportedly took over 95 gallons of paint and 35 days to complete. Highly visible from the East LA interchange and a satellite, by the way. You could see this thing from space. (laughs) It was seen by millions and stayed up for 12 years. Now get this, before it was buffed by the US military, this piece was so big and I wanna show a picture here real quick that's a picture of the mural done by saber and and here's another picture for everybody watching this online if you look in the middle you can see him right in the middle that's how large that piece is wow in the middle yeah it is and so you know, Sabre in this interview earlier by mural form, you noted it was quite a way to go out, noting that the government could probably be spending their money uh, in better ways than the army using millions of federal funds to help fuel the L.A. war on graffiti. And we'll talk about yeah. some of your, your other advocacy work. This is just and this is why I love this guy. I mean, it's go big or go home through and through. And I'm and I'm so honored to have met you. Um how you know is that still one of your favorite pieces or one like you're most possibly known for no yeah tell us about that (laughs) um that was when i was pretty young i guess so it was it was just wanted to do the biggest and do it where it wasn't supposed to be so 
I guess what makes it um, interesting is the stories behind the fact that it was done illegally. So everything had to be done at night and snuck into the place. And so that's what made it um, so interesting, I guess, is not the sense that it was all fun and games. It was it was a lot of, uh, I had to go into the belly of the beast of, of LA and kind of learn my way into these like dangerous circumstances. And uh, there's, that's a whole thing in itself. Just to get that, just to get that photograph, I put my parents through hell because I would steal the car and then drive <laughs> a long way and then come back in the middle of the night. And uh, so. Did we lose him for a second? I think we did. There, there we are. Oh, there you are. Yeah. Yeah, there is a, there is a bit of a delay. Um, anyway, my dad got chased just to get that photograph. And oh so gosh. that was kind of fun. He enjoyed it. It was a good adventure for him. So that was I cool. mean, we also, I want to talk about some of your advocacy work um, and talking about seizures. I mean, I've been in the epilepsy monitoring unit um, numerous times. I'd like to share a picture of that right now as well. That was one we took. You remember that, Ryan? Yeah, that was a that was a fun week. Yeah, that was a fun week. We learned Getting, a lot that week, though. Yeah, we did learn a, a lot that week. And one thing that kind of struck me, I was watching some footage from that earlier. It was actually, I think it was your daughter's birthday while you were in there. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I know it was, you you were saying had to sing her happy birthday over FaceTime and she was worried about dad and you know it was really kind of special to just kind of witness that and see you kind of overcome and persevere can you talk about some of those maybe lonelier moments you know I'd I'd have to say that obviously this is this is kind of where it goes to the root of everything right here and it's kind of opening up um the circumstances and the things that have kind of happened when i would say it starts with um megan and where she's helped me kind of guide through a lot of these stuff uh these episodes and the whole journey there were many years where we didn't even get um diagnosed so I, I was having seizure after seizure after seizure and we didn't even know that i was having seizures and it was her that that did the research online to to come to the terms to say ryan i think you're having seizures and we didn't even know what was going on and so i had to go on a pretty dark adventure which was for quite a while having these major grandma seizures and then waking up in the ER and eventually I woke up in pretty much all the ERs of LA, I would wake up and be undiagnosed and then kick back out on the street. And then it would be basically, you know, there's something wrong with you and you're a bad person. And eventually um, I just gave up until Megan did the research and was like, you're having seizures. This is what's going on with you. And that then led me down the road of, okay, I need to find help. I need to find medical help. And I didn't get a neurologist for 10 years and I would have to sneak meds. I was sneaking, I was sneaking Keppra from a, from a doctor all the way in Thousand Oaks. I would drive uh, once a month to get samples. And then I would, I would have the, the reactions of having Keppra, which is Keprage. Yeah. which is a completely crazy thing. And we didn't even know I would have these like major rage episodes and not even realize what the fuck is happening. And Megan did there. She's like, you're having a, a reaction from the, this medicine Capra. And we didn't even realize that the, the medicine was causing all these like dangerous situations and things happening to me. And that's just one, one circumstance. And, and it's been a dark road and it, with seizures because I mean, I just had a, I just had a seizure uh, last week in front of my kids' school. 
um oh, they just wow. started in new it, school <laughs> it, wow, i had a senior in front of the whole school like ladies praying over me like giving me an exorcism <laughs> and shit and, it was oh my god i woke up in the er and they're like you had another seizure mr shook so at least they know me there so we're we're like cool but you know i had a i had a seizure i was with david cho in barcelona and we just arrived late at night and uh to get to the 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 place it's like i need to get some food i'm hungry i'm hungry i'm having i was i didn't realize i was having auras so I raced outside to go get some food and I had a seizure in front of, I had a grandma in front of the, the, the Gaudi cathedral. Oh and goodness. I, and, and like That's something not a lot of people could say. Saber. Yeah. You know, there's few and far between right there. The, the, the Gaudi cathedral. So I woke up wrestling the EMT not realizing what the fuck is going on. And by the way, my shoulder's not attached. So every time I have an episode, my shoulder dislocates. Mm. And so, so I was in the middle of the street, right in front of the Gaudi Cathedral. And then I woke up to the Gaudi Cathedral and I couldn't figure out, cause I just, I couldn't figure out the time difference between when I was post-tictal and from when I landed, I was like, how the fuck did I end up in front of the Gaudi Cathedral? <laughs> So in my mind, I was so cracked out. I thought I teleported, <laughs> and then and then I, I refused care. The EMT actually knew they were like, "Something's wrong, sir. You need to get help. We need. We think you had a seizure." And and I was like, "No, I don't care. Fuck you." And so I wrestled my way away from them, and I got lost in the city in Barcelona. While you were post-dictal, like just like post-dictal, just lurking around Barcelona, trying to find my way back to this mysterious spot. And then David Cho was like, was he with you? There, he wasn't with, I was by myself. He was still waiting for me at the, at the, at the apartment we were staying at. Oh, so he man. thought I went off and party. He thought I was like partying. <laughs> and I'm like, you were, no, he thought dude, you were at a discotheca. Yeah. I was, I was partying in Barcelona, but I still wasn't diagnosed. So we still didn't know what was going on with me, you know? And so th this went on for many, many years. Um, where I, I basically was having these major seizures. And it turns out that the seizures that I have are, are most of the time in my sleep. So I'll go to sleep and then I'll wake up in the ER. And this has now happened over a hundred times, 200 times. I've lost count at this point. Um, I've lost count to the point of where I would come home and rip all the stickers off and so I started, I started basically piling the stickers up. It's like an art piece. And they became so thick, like a pillow that a face emerged from it. And I have this like weird little emoji face. That's all the piles of all the, the, the stickers from, from the EMTs coming home. So there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. I even got to uh, sneak a few IVs. So it's like part of his beard. It's like this weird, like, face I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell that piece for like 10 million dollars one day all the cost of the medical fuck you this is gonna be auctioned at like five million that's what it costs to get me through assholes um but i have a i have a, a vns now this is where um excuse me because i'm standing in my hallway to make sure try to get us a good connection so and a dog good might connection and good background. Great. yeah <laughs> um so I have a, a little bit of a hard time talking and my voice goes in and out because I have a VNS. And so Nate, how, how we kind of came was I had lost complete hope at this point because I was having so many grandmas and none of the medication was working and the episodes were so severe that I just, I couldn't, I couldn't continue. It was too hard. And I was putting my family through so much hell because they would see me go through all these major episodes. And so, you know, it, it, it got way too much. And there was at this point, no cure. It was basically it was just give up. Um, so I get a random phone call from some mysterious number. I'm like, Hey, what's up? I'm like, hi, my name is Nate. I'm like, hi, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I hear you're having a hard time. I'm like, 
yeah who the fuck are you like why are you calling me and he's like i want to help you i'm like yeah right you want to help me who the fuck wants to help me and he's like no for real he's like i'm from the epilepsy foundation i'm like okay how'd you get my number and and he's like i don't remember that part and i said well at this point i don't really care who you are because i have no more options so if you are somebody willing to help me then fine what do you want to do for me and he's like let's try to connect you to somebody somewhere and so that led me down the road of actually finding a doctor getting into into the right system getting into usc finally which took me 20 years before the pre-existing condition clause um which by the way fox fox news came after me pretty hard over the over that one which was kind of cool that i was all over fox news for like two weeks so that, that's a good one to look up but um <laughs> They could still fuck off, but um, so I now I have a VNS, and the and the VNS basically the doctor was like, you have no more options. Um, your last option is a VNS, and uh, so how do we tell this story? My 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 last meal. Uh huh. How do we? Remember the last, our, my, my last meal? Remember that story? The, oh, the uh, steak. My last meal. We had a, my, my last meal yeah. together. Yeah. Um, remember the raisin guy? He had no legs or arms. Yep. The poor guy that was next to me, and he kept trying to kill himself by holding his breath. And then we would make fun of each other. For the like hospital a week. buddies. And then he finally rolled himself out and he had no arms or legs and he was like a, a raisin. He was this poor guy. But we made good friends. We were, we were buddies, but so I ended up with a VNS. Um, my last uh, meal, shit, there's so many stories. How do we even tell this? Um, well, you're talking about, I think that, you know, you got, finally you saw a specialist after okay. 10 plus years. And I think, you know, it, pisses me off and we, and we talked about you know you were talking about your fox news bit a little bit how you, you'd been such an advocate and i wanted to circle back to that this is a good time i think you did an american flag piece i'm going to show a picture of it right here you did a video and you outlined the american flag and you can see very clearly in the middle it, it says epilepsy you're a self-employed artist i suffer from epilepsy and there's a lot of uh, and, and that video is online and then Obama's team had, that. yeah, Obama's team had picked it up and it was a finalist for um, this competition about artists communicating, right. um, you know, why it's important for people with pre existing conditions to be have health insurance. Because, you right. know, maybe some people listening don't remember the day when, if you had epilepsy, an insurance company could qualify that as a pre-existing condition and deny you health insurance. So the okay. idea that you're in and out of ERs, well, it's because you don't have health insurance. And, you know, I and and, and then so so Sabre did that. And then, of course, uh, Sean Hannity, Fox News, they picked this up. They they just completely yeah, relegated they, to this were, artist desecrating mad. the flag, which is complete bullshit. And it was a very powerful piece and a very strong advocacy piece. That was huge. Um, we'll leave some links to those interviews with Ryan, giving them, them hell in, in the, in the notes section. But cool. um, I mean, that was before, you know, obviously I, you, you knew you had epilepsy but that was yeah. before we met. So you weren't part of sort of any, an advocacy organization, but that was you by yourself as an artist. And I think that's so powerful. Yeah. I mean, you weren't connected yeah, to anybody. Was, yeah. No, yeah, and it, I, I had I'm no political of, agenda. I love it. I love that. I love that. It really kind of moves me. Um, I'm kind of curious, Sabre, you mentioned the word dark twice, like, you know, on more than one occasion, you know, it was a dark time. It was a dark time. How, right. how did, you or what do you see was the kind of the turning point to being able to pull yourself out of the dark time and and be where you are today i guess maybe to, in order you know from dark to acceptance like how did that happen because seizures are dark I, no matter how you look at it right. but here you are now a, a different person 
Well, it's still a process. Sure. So it's definitely not not quite there yet, I would say. But um, I'm definitely in a different place I was from two years ago than I am now. Um, some of that has to do with maybe the VNS working a bit. Um, some of it also has to do with me just trying to evolve with some of my own feelings and things like that. But I'm still working through it, I guess. Um, but the one, one of the things that keeps me going, you know, is definitely my, my family and, and the people around me, but also working. Like I love to paint, I love to work. And as long as I have something going on for myself, then I always feel at least excited to keep pushing forward. So some of the times where I was at my lowest points, um, some of the things that snapped me out of it a little bit was the fact that I knew I wanted to paint and find that little zone and establish an idea and actually fulfill it. Even if I couldn't move well that day or or I was recovering, because these seizures, these episodes that I have are really severe. So I'll have two, three, four grand malls in one episode and and then I'll come home and recover from that. So it might take me a week or two, just the brain scramble that's after that. One, uh, one of the interesting brain scramble I get is um, I, I look at people's faces and I swear I, I know, I know the person, but I, I don't know them. And it's a weird face recognition thing that happens to me after a seizure that when I walk into a room, I'll look at people's faces and look at it again and be like, I swear to God, get that weird feeling when you look at someone's face and you go, I know that person. Where do I know that person from? So picture that feeling to every person that you see. And it starts, but like, at first I didn't know what was going on. I thought I was going nuts, but uh, you know, hazy, not crazy. Finally realizing that it's part of the brain, brain scramble after fact, you know? And um, so that's a whole issue in itself just thinking about what what you go through with your mind after sure. a seizure and before a seizure um but the thing that keeps me going is knowing that i want to keep making stuff and keep working on things and keep painting and, and even after an episode when i would come home um i would go in the back and paint sometimes and be productive and be, kind of be by myself and let the, my brain scream at itself for that a whole day. And my brain just screams at itself until it starts to heal again. And then just go through that process. Um, but it's still, I still am working on it. It's, it's doesn't seem to, the dark cloud that's over you for having seizures doesn't seem to go away. And I guess if you have seizures, you know, and it's a fear of like knowing that it's always there is part of life that you have to learn to deal with. Right. And, right. You know, so for me, these, it's like, um, it's, I, I guess I, depending on how much I can censor myself, you know, in this conversation, like I'm trying to censor myself to a certain degree, because we can go to some really fucked up places, some really sure, dark, sure. weird, fucked up, dark shit. And it has well, to maybe do we'll do that another show. No, we can do it. Whatever another show. Cause I don't know how far I can censor myself to a certain degree here, you know, no, just, just let but, it go. Let it go. Yeah. That's um, well, I, let's see, I guess, there were those times where where the seizures had taken over to where I couldn't, I knew that uh, the death was obviously a part of it and dying part is part of it. So one of the, one of the times that was interesting was I actually died twice on, on Vimpat. One of the, one of the, the side effects is if you have a heart attack during an episode, um, you have to be taking it off immediately. So I was on Vimpat and I had two, I guess I had two heart attacks during those episodes. And I was on the, my wife was on the phone, I guess, and was hearing this. And, and so I guess they pumped my chest twice and I got zapped, I guess. And 
and shot with the, and I came back. So the whole floor was ecstatic that I had survived because they knew me. And, but I didn't know any of this. I didn't see anything. There was nothing. Okay. So I was, it was black. And one of the, the, the core terms that I use is return from the dark void is, is a title that I use for that particular piece with the face that's piled up. Um, and I'll use that as a point of reference, return of the dark from the dark void. So the, the nurses that were on the floor were, were Catholic, quite a few of them. And the doctors were really excited that they, they had saved me. And I still was trying to process all this stuff and didn't even realize this had, had happened to me. So they kept me for three or four days. Um, and I wanted to get home. So I'm just like, I just want to get home. But the nurses kept coming to me and kept saying, oh, Mio, did, did you see any angels? Did you see any angels? So all these ladies kept coming in asking me if I, if I saw any angels. Even the doctors kept it coming in. They were like, what did you experience? And I go, what the fuck do you mean what did I experience? And, and so I started had to process to realize that all these people were really excited that they saved my life. And at this point, I didn't give a fuck. I was so mad and so hurt by going through all this shit that I had enough. And I was like, fucking let me die. It's I'm, I'm cool. I just, I'm over it. And so I had to process the fact that all these people were happy that I had lived. Okay. So then I had to come to terms with this whole idea of religion immediately. It was like Jesus, God, religion, Buddhism, whatever the fuck it is, everything. Existentialism. I experienced nothing. I experienced blackness. I experienced darkness. I experienced the leash, the, the, the leash, let's call it. Like basically you're deleted. You're gone. Okay, you've been moved to the trash pile and gone. Okay, and I've seen a lot of death. I've seen a lot of people die in front of me. I've seen people hurt and, and pass in front of me. I've been involved in things and seen things. So I've had to process death many times in my life. So I had, this time I had to process my own death, which I had been through a few times, but not to this, to this level. So I had to come to terms with that there is no heaven. There is no hell. There is no God. There is no Jesus. There is no, there's nothing, nothing. And nothing is beautiful because there's no more suffering. Everything is gone. It doesn't matter. But what does matter and what heaven to me had to come to terms with was heaven or hell is what you've left behind in other people, that your memories, your imprints. For me as an artist, it's very important because I have artifacts left behind and scratches and bathrooms and whatever the fuck you want to go, little trail you want to go down. But how people process your memory is the type of person you were. Were you a good person? People love you when you're gone. That's what heaven or hell is. Do people care if you die? Do, are people happy about your life force when they think about you? That's heaven or hell. And I had realized I'd been in so, so much turmoil that I had caused hell around people around me because of these seizures, because of these episodes, because of my own selfishness, because of all this other shit that I've been through and put myself through. So I had to realize that fuck heaven, you know, who cares? Well, what matters is the fact that I care about what other people think about my love life force. And if you are a good person, if you're left behind as a good person. And so these seizures have put me so many times so close to the edge of having to process what life force is, what perception means, you know, how, what does perception mean as far as like when you come back from the dark void and how your mind as a computer processes all this this shit because we're a dysfunctional computer. Our electric our electric forces aren't working properly. Our wires are crossed. And so I have interesting seizures because I have them all over my brain. So I have them all over the place. And another time I had to process death was that night when I had my last meal because my doctor put me in an, a, a CT scan 
and they happened to catch a seizure during the CT scan that was right in the center of my brain. And they had never seen anything like it. So they were tripping and I was supposed to go home. So my family was coming to pick me up after a week being there. And they were like, wait a minute, you can't go home now. I was like, what, what do you mean I can't go home? They're like, we found something in the center of your brain we've never seen before. So we got to hold you now because you're going to die. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <clears throat> fuck. You, you gave me some morphine or some it or something? Like, hook me up. Like, this sucks. So... So I was like, well, I guess we got to get a last meal, right, Nate? I got my, I got, I got my last meal. What do we get? What do you order your last meal? You, I guess you have a steak or some shit, right? Like steaks. So we Tomahawk got a big steaks, ass steaks, baby. Big ass Brazilian steak. <laughs> Tomahawk steak. Oh god, it was <laughs> terrible. The whole thing. So I'm sitting there in the gown with no fucking pants on, like hooked up to <laughs> machines, like eating my fucking steak. You know, swollen because I beat the. I, to prove a point about having the seizure, the doctor allowed me to do an experiment, which she wasn't quite prepared for, which was very interesting, which was tying me up to the machine where they hold you if you're incapacitated. And it's just like dolly type hum for humans. That's how I saw homie get wheeled out with no arms and legs. He was like, later, bro, like getting wheeled out and this like crazy thing. So they put me in this thing. And I didn't have a seizure for a week and I was wired up to, and, and, and they were like, we need to have a seizure. So I said, well, I'll tell you how I can have a seizure. Let me beat the shit out of the bathroom. And they were like, what do you mean? And I said, yeah, just let me beat the shit out of something and then I'll have a seizure. And they said, okay. So I said, all right. So they put me in this thing, this like dolly diaper crazy thing. And they wheeled me into the bathroom and they said, okay, Mr. Shook, you have five, you have three minutes to get mad. And they thought I was just going to get like mad. Like it's like oh, a, stre yeah, a stress test. You know, they <laughs> thought I was going to do like, so. <laughs> they didn't realize how mad I was going to get. So they put me in this thing and I'm just like a swing on you, but it's a diaper and I'm like swing, but it's metal and it's heavy. So I could, I could use it to beat the fuck out of the bathroom. So, <laughs> So I'm in this thing and they close the door and I said, give me, give me, so I just took it all out on, on the bathroom and, and there was a, a, a metal chair that didn't last long. I completely shattered the metal chair. I destroyed all the tile. I destroyed all the fucking machine. I broke, tried to break my hands, like, but I couldn't. Uh, I tried to break my knees. I couldn't. I just smashed through the tile. I just smashed through the whole bathroom. So they were like, stop, stop. I was like, but you want me to do this. This is an experiment. We have to do this. So I did it and basically came out bloodied, scratched to shit, you know, hand definitely fractured in multiple places. Um, and so they didn't know what to do after that. And I said, well, make sure you're aware because now I'm going to have a seizure. Mm -hmm. And so that morning I had a major seizure. I had two grand malls. And that was the first time I got to witness a seizure because it was being filmed. Mm -hmm. And so they said, do you want to see what happens? And I said, yeah. And out of all the things that I've seen in my life, I've seen people killed. I've seen, I've been through terrible things that, that were bad and so i had to come to terms with really what this is all about because for the first time in my life i saw myself have the seizure and what my body goes through and what my face how my face contorted and it really was like some exorcist shit and and so out of all the ugly things i've seen in my, on my adventures that was the ugliest thing i've ever witnessed was watching my body and face contort to such a level that it was breaking. And to see the nurses just strip me all the way down naked as I'm pissing all over myself, shoulder completely dislocating, jaw dislocating. And to see that, I was just like, fuck, you know, that that's another time to process where I fit in this world and and what does it mean to be alive and awake and so this whole adventure of seizures 
this is just one adventure. These hundreds of seizures. I I had a I had a mm -hmm. seizure. Can I? I don't know if I should tell this one though. This one maybe gonna. Um, no, yeah, go, I don't know. no, no. I mean, go ahead, man. I mean, I, we, we I like what Nathan says. Let it go. Let it go. I don't know. Like, we started. This is, you know what, Saber? This is good for you, and it's good for everybody listening. Yeah. Because everybody right. listening has had this experience on some level, and it's so good. It's like, right. Oh yes, somebody else has been been through that, and it's not somebody at the Epilepsy Foundation who has to tell me they've been through that. Like, this is a right. real person. And I want to, and right. they want to hear it. Well, um, I guess, <laughs> okay. There's the few, um, I'm, what, what's, I'm, yeah. I'm what, what's one that you the, haven't, you know, we talked about the story. What uh, maybe one that you haven't publicly shared, you know, I mean, the brain can do anything when it's having a seizure. <laughs> this one's interesting. Okay. This one's interesting. This is a little private. Okay. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this one, but this one's a little interesting. Um, sorry about the dog. Um, last, my connection sucks a little bit. No, it's, it's good. Um, <laughs> um, so I had to see my last two episodes ago. Um, sorry, I guess I'm going to tell it, Megan. I don't care. I'll tell it. The, the one where I, um, fuck. Uh, okay, so. You don't have to. <laughs> I, I, had a, I, had a, I had a really bad seizure while taking a shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My last one. Okay. And it's never really happened to me. So, <laughs> so I, okay, so I was taking a shit in the morning and I had a seizure. Okay, that's a bad situation for everybody involved. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So my poor wife had to drag me to the bathroom, uh, out of the bathroom, into bed, give me the Ativan, and try to keep me alive. Mm -hmm. So I guess from what I recall, I don't quite understand what happened, but I had another seizure. But this time, I guess I busted a huge nut <laughs> while having the seizure. I've never experienced it. I'm not there. I'm not witnessing this. I'm 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 not involved. I have no agenda. This isn't my thing. <laughs> so I wake up so completely <laughs> with a heart on, I guess, and I'm completely covered in nut and she's trying to get me back in bed. And I'm like trying to hug her or something like an idiot. I don't know. I'm not there. You're so not... I'm not involved. So I wake up just a complete disaster. Okay. Just a complete disaster. Meanwhile, I, I you know, um, so, okay. That was the two seizures ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so anyway, that, so yeah. So what's interesting is the fact that I needed to process the, that I'm having seizures in different parts of my brain that are then being affected by the seizure clearly. Um, so I was, I wasn't involved. I wasn't there, but it was interesting to see what happens. Um, another time to process my own mortality. I started a bath one time What and had a seizure over the bath head first and megan came in as i was having the grandma seizure over the bath about to drown and she pulled me out mm. right before i drowned that that's a that's a, that's a lot to unpack right there mm -hmm. so you're in a yeah. seizure you're taking a shit and then i guess you know you just go to bus town <laughs> which is you, listen but, never, I, mean, I wouldn't tell this story if yeah. if it wasn't interesting in the sense that that, that I had a seizure and this right. was like this whole episode. Well, one like, one thing we talked about with the big brain exhibit, I mean, it's very valid. You know, anything the, the brain can do when it's not having a seizure, it can do while it's having a seizure and right. you're not in control of your body. And, you know, I had to laugh my butt off at that because, you know, when you deal with situations, that was, that's, sort of hilarious but you know you you not you having I mean, a seizure you know, is not a good funny comedy at all. Act. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. 
Like, I love making fun of all this shit, dude. Like, we got to process all this madness. Like, you know, uh, what is interesting, though, is the fact that it comes to terms with that your brain is a processor. Mm. And everything that we think life is, isn't in the sense of how we process and perceive things. And so the seizures, like drugs use, um, like certain things that happen in life that make you process things, you know, each, each seizure you have is a traumatic experience, you know? And so you have these multiple layers of traumatic experiences where you're, you're basically like, you know, always on the edge of, of dying especially yeah. with the way other people describe what you're going through so for me as an artist i was always like uh into the idea of of you know this van gogh-esque like you know sacrifice of this grand artist idea that one day i'm going to be immortalized as this you know artist that did these great things and graffiti was my way of using that tool and how i was going to go about expressing these, uh, you know, these adventures to start off these adventures. I, I had kind of wanted to prove myself. And one of those ways was you get jumped into a gang. And for me, I didn't realize it was, a, it was a complete farce and it was total bullshit. But at the time I was in 10th grade and I basically got sucked into this initiation and I had a really bad traumatic brain injury and I was, I was beat really severely. And I was, uh, you know, I was in the hospital for two weeks. I was a pretty young kid at the time, not realizing what I had been through and had processing that. Um, you think that's what started the seizures? Is that when well, you got jumped not in? Fully. Well, not fully because what also started my seizures was the fact that I was basically drinking spray paint for 20 years straight like oh. straight up drinking spray bay, like not even because no, no give yeah. fuck, you know, all out, like to the point of no return drinking fucking spray paint. Yeah. So with the combination of that, with the combination of the stress and the, tr- and the traumas with the combination of the head injuries, um, that mixture uh, basically, and I think also the fact that, uh, you know, there's a definitely an adrenaline thing going on. Cause we would, we would do things that other people hadn't done yet. Mm-hmm. So I would hang off freeway trestles illegally and hide from helicopters. I was a specialist at that. And I'm still pretty good at it. Um, you know, these are things about, this is about the, the beast, the belly of the beast itself and, and, and leaving your mark behind and, trying to to feel significant in the world little did i know that going through that adventure of trying to prove myself as an artist and to try to to be the best that i could be i developed this condition and i had never had this before i wasn't i wasn't unwell you know as a, as a kid so that really had to force me to come to terms with what the cost of things are, you know, what you mm. believe systems are. So I believed I was invincible and that if I went out in, 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 a, in a cloud of flames, then I had done the right thing because then I immortalized myself in some way, shape or form. And this is like the basic, pro, you know, processing that you go through as an artist, as a young man coming from LA, like coming from like being part of, culture that that that's that's outside the norm um i had to come to terms with the reality of life which is that i was not invincible that i had these limitations that i my perception was off completely because i was giving myself the wrong ideas in the sense of what was important and having children, having kids definitely forced me to come to terms with that because they're also part of this process. So my children have seen almost every, every episode I've had and they know what to do now. And, and, and so I've never seen what they've seen and they see me wrestle the EMT. They see my shoulder rip out and them trying to get me in bed and the neighbors coming out and you know, the whole fucking scene. 
but you know, you really have to come to terms with your mortality. And at the end of the day, I think if you did your best and you tried your best and you tried to be your, a good person, um, then, then you're, you're good. You're in heaven. You did the right thing. Because me, when I go to the, you know, think about this, think about whenever I talk to somebody like, ah, you've never been through shit. I go, I know I haven't. I, I get that. I get it. But, I'm I'm the nice, good-looking guy, the the hero in the neurology department at, at USC. So uh, they, they come hang out with me in the neurology department at USC, <laughs> and, get, and and then we'll start talking about humanity. You know what I'm saying? It's all just like the cancer unit, just like you know, fu- you know, orthopedics, yeah. whatever. Fuck you, my shoulder, my shoulder is not even attached at this point. It's like whatever. But neurology, you see people really going through some shit you know um it's no joke and when you see a child you see a little girl you see a mother who's there early who's trying to get into that appointment and to see her child and her child doesn't know what the hell is going on and no one knows what the hell is going on like that's hard to process and when you see that that girl get wheeled in who who cannot walk or cannot move you know, you have respect for those people because they're going through it 10 times harder than I am. And I can still go right now, go paint a beautiful painting right now. I can enjoy my children right now and and not be an asshole and try to be better. And that's the whole key to the seizures. The seizures have really pushed me to a limit in life to say what is really important and what isn't. And you caught me, Nate, you caught me at the perfect fucking moment because I had given up complete hope at that point. And without you connecting the dots, getting me to that doctor at that point, getting me to Guadalupe at USC, getting me to Dr. Gong over at USC, I probably wouldn't be here right now because the seizures were progressing so bad and so severe that I had to force myself to give come to terms with my own mortality. And I was like, fuck it. I need to go. I can't do this anymore. And so I had to then come to terms with like having a family and being like, well, fuck, I'm going to go. You know, I have friends who've killed themselves and they had families and, and, you know, I'm not one to like, you know, dwell on suicide, but uh, definitely, definitely the fucking voices were, were coming up and the drugs I was on was definitely telling me things I shouldn't be hearing, especially fucking, I went through every single drug and nothing was working. And so I had given up. I was like, this is it, you know? And even the doctors were like, this is it, dude. You got no more options. We can't do brain surgery. I was ready to get my brain scooped out. I'm like, scoop my shit out. Let's go. Like film this shit. I'll project it on a building and turn it into an art piece. Like, let's go. Yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck. I've been impaled. I've seen my friends shot. It's like, who, you know, who cares? But at this point, you fucking called me when, when I would least expected it. And we did our little project, which then kind of was like, okay, this is cool. These are nice people. I'm not expecting this. And it, and it pushed me a little forward when I needed it, but you got me to the fucking doctor and the doctor, I was, they were willing to take me on. And I'm still here. And the VNS is what's hopefully getting me to it. That gave me that little edge that I needed to, to try to survive, to say, okay, I can go a month without having these grandma episodes. I can go two months without the longest I've gone so far without having any sort of major fucking life threatening episode is a month and a half and 20 years, 15 years, 17 years. I don't even know. Well, I mean, I'm so glad we got to you when we did. And I, we've had hours of conversation in Pasadena about, you know, those very real thoughts of not being here on this world anymore. And, you know, you talk about paying it forward and I just look up to you right. so much um, about you paying it forward and, you know, doing projects like this, look at this big crowd right here of inspiration. This was taken from Pershing square an artistic representation of the seizures three, four, and five. You can see that yeah. devolution of electrical activity. And I can't wait to see what you create in the future. 
and continue to give back. And I'm so glad you're in better spirits with your family. Um, yeah. You know, tell me, yeah, man. I mean, you know, you're such a special person. You've influenced millions over the world as an artist. And then, you know, it just drives to the, you know, uh, before healthcare was even available, you know, now it is, you, 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 I just, you know, you've influenced thousands of kids, if not, you know, millions. I see the YouTube comments from your videos that you've done with the museum of graffiti. And it kind of, I actually wrote this down. I'd like to read it right now. This is from a gentleman named Salvador. He says, I've met Saber and chilled with him a couple times. Real down to earth, dude, much respect. I suffer from epilepsy myself. I had no clue until he started with the flag murals. I would like for anybody who reads this to try to wrap your mind around just waking up somewhere and not knowing who are the people around you. It's pretty damn fucking scary. Especially for those cats like me and Saber and any other person with epilepsy who've been down the tunnels and the alleyways, no one would ever think of going down. So, I mean... It's so important for you to be sharing your story here. And I'm so glad that Shannon and I were able to have you on here, man. And I'm sure we'll have you on again. Um, and thank you for sharing those, those vulnerable moments, man. I mean, you know, you're a force to be reckoned with. Seizures suck. We know it. We're going to be exploring that. I mean, hazy, not crazy. It's what we're about. I don't know. Maybe it's hazy and sometimes crazy. <laughs> Maybe it's Maybe. Yeah. But thank you so yeah. much, Saber, too. I mean, no, thank you. Some, you know, people I are going to really benefit from this. It's important. And, and I guess the one thing me. I need I'm, to leave. I've benefited. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And it's, it's, it's important to be able to explain things within this context because, you know, it's, it opens up such a, a can of worms personally. So, you know, it, if, if it helps, so for instance, one way to help somebody is I'll catch a scribe right where the USC neurology department is. And each year I'll catch a new scribe, just a, a scratch in the metal that only certain people will notice. Mm -hmm. And each year do a new, new one, only one for that year. So there's a few of them stacked up. So when that one kid comes and sees it, he recognizes it. And it gives them that one little spark that says, okay, if, if Saber was standing here looking out at this same view with no, no, no hope for the future or understanding of what, what is out there, and he was there all those years and he survived it, then I can too. And, and so yeah. that's what graffiti to me, the language of graffiti is, 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 is those little messages and memories, uh, you know, to a certain degree little connected connector to the dots, really subtle connector to the dots. You know, there's a wow, lot. Wow. That's powerful. Out. That's powerful. But it's important. But any person I meet that tells me they have a seizure, they've had seizures. I immediately don't disregard them. I try to stop immediately and give them the time and, and energy that's necessary to hear their story because sometimes their story gives me the strength I need. You know, because sometimes I'm a complete mess. This is this isn't an easy, you know. This is I'm a, I'm some days I'm a complete mess, but other days I'm totally fine. And I'll meet some kid who's younger, who's who's way more difficult circumstances, and they give me the inspiration I need. When they're like, "What's up, Saber? Oh my God, I get to meet you. This is great." And I go, "Well, I met you. You know, like uh -huh. that." <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah. some little, some little kid who's like 12 years old who wants to do graffiti. And he's like, well, I met you. I'm like, wow. You I was, have... you know, like, that's important. You yeah. Know? Right. Yeah. Oh man. That's so beautiful. Send me a picture. I want to share with everybody of Mr. Face from return from the dark void. I want to see. <laughs> I will. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure people can relate. Unfortunately, I had to add to them recently, but yeah, it's okay. Yeah, after the <laughs> shit jizz and uh, in front of the school situation. No, I didn't go. I didn't go. <laughs> no, I, this one was in front of the, my kid's school. Like, oh god. 
Hello, One. Mr. Shekhar. You're you're doing so much better now. Oh, not every day. Like, nice to see you. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm still standing. I'm not insane. I don't smoke meth. That's the first one I have to say. I don't smoke meth. And they go, okay, okay. I go, no, no, no. It's seizures, seizures. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> oh my god. Well, tell Megan and the rest of the fam we say hello, okay? I will. Thank uh, you, guys. All right. Thanks, all right. Saber, so much. All right, brother. Sign it off. Say hi to the sunny California weather to me, brother. I will. All right. See you, Goodbye, Ryan. Guys. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Oh, that was awesome. That was so good. He's amazing. I mean, and, and the message and, oh, wow, he said something uh about there are there are multiple layers to trauma and that's so true i think we only think that it's the seizure or that people around think it's oh you had a seizure but you know it's there's so many layers it's it's after you had the seizure how do you feel after it's the people around you, what are they thinking about you? Are they talking about you? What are they saying about you? I, mean, I thought that was that statement alone was so powerful. Yeah. And he talked about the like the, the, the week after. Yeah, me too. The week after, yep. you know, you wake up with the dislocated shoulders. Um, he reminded me I recently tore down all my closet doors, ripped the toilet out of the ground in a post-dictal state. Yeah, sure so it's, it's not, yeah. it's not like a fifth, it's not like a 10 minute seizure. Those things are so powerful and so in a way, soul sucking, you know, and oh my God, he talked about those two times he returned from, you know, flatlining and, um, yeah, well, that was, but that on was, a way, you know. People can relate to him. People mm -hmm. get it. And I appreciate that about him and, uh, and that he's so honest and, and real yeah. on some level. Yeah. There's no uh, filter. I feel yeah. like we missed that. No, I appreciate no filter. I, and I think other people will appreciate it too. And I think I, I our listeners it, it, and viewers, I think everybody. Yeah. No, I think it's imperative. Um, it's imperative. Yeah, that was, wow. That was so cool. All right, well, we got our first guest in the bag. Hazy, not crazy. Woohoo. Woohoo. I'm excited. I like yeah. kind of what you said. Hazy and maybe a little bit crazy. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like, <laughs> well, I think everybody on some level has their own crazy. Sure. So. Sure. All right, cool. Well, I will. I guess uh, we'll wrap it up here. Insane. Oh, right. I didn't get to. I didn't get to show a, a picture of the big brain. I wanted to real quick. Look at this bad boy. Okay. Ooh, with the purple that's lights. So awesome. Yeah. All you, Nathan, right there. Yeah, that's all us right there, Shannon. Nathan was responsible for that. That you was really all us. The tour. Oh, I didn't get to share some of his artwork. Is that at the Rose Bowl? That was at Pershing Square when we did that event with with Ryan. But I wanted to share some. Oh, I, don't know, okay. I don't know if we'll include this, but he did these really cool bomber jackets. There's Ariana Grande and Bella Hadid in it. This was one of his pieces with oh, Shepard Fairey. Yeah, I mean, he's such a talented kid. And it's just, you know, I love offering up this platform, you know, you know, talking about kind of his epilepsy and seizures first, all these stories to uncover. I mean, having a seizure in front of the Gaudi Cathedral, waking up thinking he was teleported <laughs> to another country. I mean, imagine thinking you right, woke up in, remembering. A, in a different country. I mean. Yeah, that's <laughs> insane. And then the assumption of his friend thinking he just went out clubbing. It's like that same assumption. You wake up in the hospital like he's got tats all over his arms. Like the first thing that goes is like this kid's a drug addict. Or this kid, you know, oh, 100%. you know, they label him as a, a as a criminal just because of that. So we're going to unpack this and I can't wait to for our next interview. And thank you guys for listening in um, and check out the show notes for links to learn more about Sabre's artwork um, and future upcoming episodes.
Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you everyone. And you know, if you have questions, anything, I mean, this was a pretty intense episode with a lot of information and, uh, we're excited to, uh, talk more and get into more detail, you know, as the, as the episodes go on. I'm looking forward to this. This one was really, uh, it, it's good for me every time. I'm, I'm, I'm hosting this and I'm so <laughs> impacted by everything that he said. I was glued to what he was saying the entire time. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I learned I'm some new stories. Too. Forward to everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shannon. All right. Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone. Talk soon. And we'll be back for another episode of Hazy Not Crazy. <laughs>